Perfect. Yeah, we're going to dive into that a little bit more in a second, um, especially kind of the uses of that. Um, but you're not necessarily the only guys to do this. So no. what makes you special? Yeah, so a couple of things. We're very special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, when we first started chatting with, uh, with asset managers specifically, almost every asset manager in the world will say they use satellite data today. And that's probably true. But what most of them do is they take a look at it on Google Earth and then they say, okay, I saw this building footprint. And then they go back to their financial analysis and either put it in their strategy or take it out. Um, the ability to really use satellites the way that we do and ground sensors to essentially justify that data is a very exacting science. So there's a lot of heavy math involved. It's not modeling with what we do. We actually take a direct measurement. Almost everybody else models it. So it's essentially just taking, making a very educated guess and then projecting it forward. We actually feel like that does a disservice because it also doesn't take, in, in our case, the one I described before with emissions, it doesn't capture fugitive emissions. So if you have a break in your um, mm -hmm. supply chain or if there's a problem in the production and there's some gas escaping that you don't know about, that's never going to be captured if you're just saying, I made this many widgets, which equates to this much gas. The other thing is we publish all of our data on blockchain. <clears throat> so we found that the, the really the key alternative to what we're doing is called CSR, so Corporate Sustainability Reports. Those are prepared, again, by the company, usually by the investor relations team. And it essentially says, please trust me. Um, there's no verification of it. And in most cases, the data is not personally guaranteed, not personally, but it's not professionally guaranteed by the company itself. With us, we don't take any data from the companies at all, ever. We only take scientifically um, gathered data from instruments that have been validated in the academic methods that Dr. Gopal has been publishing on for 30 years. So it's a pretty nice edge since there's mm -hmm. so much fluff and greenwashing in the space. Definitely. And I can definitely see why that fits very well with blockchain. So yeah, that'll be, yeah I'm excited to, to dive into that more. Um, Really quickly, uh, I know that your company has worked with Chorus, who we also work with and who was actually on uh, Venley Expert Talks previously. Um, can you give us a quick refresher on what you've been doing together? Yeah, so uh, Nick Zvonnefeld has become a really good friend of mine as well through this process. I lived in the Netherlands and he's Dutch. I lived there for two years, so I got to... Um, kind of sharpen up my language skills as we were talking about how he's saving the world and how our technology is kind of facilitating it. So it's been really fun to get to know them. What we're doing specifically is um, Corist will go around the world and either partner with, with landowners or they'll buy land themselves and then they'll replant the land with native trees to sequester more carbon. And then they um, sell that sequestered carbon after we've done the MRV layer. So our, our satellites go over and confirm there's this many trees sequestering this much carbon at this month of the year because sometimes the leaves fall off. So obviously there's less, question, there's less carbon sequestered. Mm -hmm. And then he'll issue a certificate or a token that way. We are that MRV layer. So MRV is becoming the fun acronym for our space, but measurement, reporting, and verification without us it's really just, again, trusting that the company that you're handing your money to or that you're putting your investment with is doing it right. With, with us, we look at their properties and there's seven so far that we're working on with them every month, confirm how many trees are there, separate it from the undergrowth on the ground, and then give them that reading of how much carbon is sequestered so that they can then generate the same tokens that they can then that a company can purchase from them to actually achieve true net zero instead of a hoped for net zero. Awesome. So I guess that 
answers my question a little bit, but I want to see if you can expand on it at all. So what is your ideal outcome for putting climate data on chain? Yeah, so blockchain is really the perfect solution for the biggest, I think, blocker to environmental activism with true impact. I think most people in the on the mm-hmm. planet, even those that are maybe more conservative, do want to live in a place where they can happily walk around, they can go to parks, they can go play at a lake, like they don't really, nobody says like, I hate the environment. <laughs> there are certainly <laughs> different degrees of and strategies to save it. But I think everybody agrees, like we want to live in a comfortable, happy place where we can breathe and enjoy the outdoors as well. Where I see blockchain being that perfect solution is most companies today, as I was describing before, their CSRs, they publish it um, usually Mm -hmm. with data that's at at a minimum 12 months old, in some cases, 18 months old, because they'll wait for their fiscal year to end. And then they'll gather their data for the last 12 months, analyze it, put it in a really shiny PDF with a kid holding a flower at the front of it. And then (laughs) when we get that and we can research it as people, we're like, okay, I'm looking at data that's 18 months old at a minimum. And who knows what they've been doing in the interim. And so for us, since our data is as is close to live as possible, it's four days old, when we publish that on blockchain, now those companies can go into, in this case, Chainlink and see the data we've published. It's immutable. They can't just take it down and say, oops, we messed it up. Here it is again. We have a report card for which companies are actually the most truthy, <laughs> like to quote <laughs> Stephen Colbert, um, which companies are really just kind Throwing stuff up and hoping it sticks. So blockchain there is perfect because mm-hmm. then we have, we we believe we're the first data provider to publish on chain, and that's you know, essentially day one of what companies we track. And without blockchain, we couldn't do that because pe- companies could just take things down, and then we as consumers are just like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess we're only looking at twenty twenty two. True. Fair enough. So as you said, you are the the first ones doing it this way. Um, so have you already seen, or do you foresee any? risks or challenges or limitations to to this solution? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's definitely early days in uh, how this works. And one of the things that makes Floodlight different is a lot of people will use satellite data only to measure these emissions. Um, and it's called spectrography, but it's essentially when the sun lines up with the satellite to look directly at an asset, you can actually then see the um, carbon itself or the methane or the other gases. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> What sets us apart is we have access to ground sensor networks as well. It's about the size of a shoebox, and you can attach it to a building or an electric pole or anything else, and it operates like a carbon monoxide detector. It's just always scanning around it, and then it feeds that data back to essentially their oracles. We, we actually justify our satellite data against that ground sensor data to arrive at a more accurate reading of which building or which warehouse or which farm or which um, grove of trees is, is at these numbers for carbon, insta- carbon methane, et cetera. What <clears throat> the challenges that brings to us is there are definitely countries in the world that do not want any ground sensors on their territory. And it's the ones that are building a lot sure. of coal-fired power, power plants, et cetera, or doing things that the rest of their market would say, ooh, I don't want to buy stuff from you if you're – building this way. So there are definitely some nation states um, that are saying, hey, satellites are enough. Like we can't control the atmosphere, but we certainly can control our own territory and you're not coming here. That's a blocker. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say the other one too is just there is, I think, um, a big problem in that a lot of investors, even smaller ones, are just apathetic. 
They're like, look, I don't have a big enough financial footprint to matter. There's no way I can change this when I have the likes of, you know, sovereign wealth funds or massive endowments otherwise mm-hmm. that just haven't pushed them. If we can kind of turn those people into more activists with their money and force their um, fiduciaries to really see this as mm-hmm. material to their financial position that it is, then that solves the problem. But those would I, I'd, I'd say those are the twin biggest challenges of, of the industry. So if activism is kind of one of the biggest challenges, do you see this technology as being a, a really good way to facilitate international cooperation with climate change? Or is it maybe a stressor? <laughs> no, absolutely. It's a, it's a benefit. Because <laughs> I think um, it's interesting, just because I covered, I covered Latin America before in my job at, at Silicon Valley Bank, mm-hmm. and it's a, every, every country is different. But in Latin America, there is such skepticism of government um, competency and transparency. And um, obviously, like in, in the developed world, we all make fun of our governments and stuff as well. But at the end of the day, like people do get fired. People can go to jail. There really is some accountability um, for when there's gross malfeasance, the hard the the mm-hmm. opportunity I see with with countries that are highly authoritarian or providing data that's so bogus that nobody believes it ever is that if you can get the population to then say I would rather take my data, take my news, take my money to a an organization that has data on the blockchain or a a currency that I can believe in that's backed by something other than my president saying, trust me while I live in my palace. I feel like that's a (laughs) a great opportunity for the common man Mm -hmm. worldwide to really stand up and be like, look, nations are a line on a map. I don't, I don't have to essentially buy into this one just because you are saying I'm your president. (laughs) So as the, as that altruistic in me, like I really think blockchain holds that potential of pulling a lot of people that are absolutely trapped into an economic system that is more just and more fair for everybody to compete in instead of the status quo now. Yeah, that's really fair. Okay. Um, what roles does uh, smart contracts play in the storage and management of climate data? Yeah, so how I, I would... I'm going to be revealing of how non-technical I am. <laughs> Our chief technical okay. officer is <laughs> Josh Pitts. But essentially what, uh, how those work is that um, when somebody needs our data, and Chainlink gave us a grant first to publish the data. That's how we first got introduced to Chorus, and that's how we've been introduced to several other excuse me, app developers that are building on their network. How it, how it got built then was our data... Once we know that a certain area or a certain building or a certain company is in focus, we essentially get a list of that from the client. They can they can request it on our Oracle node network. We book a smart contract with them for our for our specific price point, and then we can publish it monthly, quarterly, et cetera. But they come in, request it, we confirm on our side, and then it goes um, after that all automated. So the smart contract facilitates that data transfer just so that there's a lot that you don't have to work with lawyers. You don't have to do redlining versions back and forth. It's like, here's the data I need finished, done, confirmed. Great explanation for not being the CTO. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, I mean, uh, with, with smart contracts, but also kind of, we, we touched on the, the benefit of the equality and the, the justness of web three. Another big part Mm -hmm. is trustlessness. Um, is that accountability, the biggest advantage in your mind? Um, Mm. are there any other 
big Web3 type advantages that you can see? Yeah, the so the the Guardian article that was published a week and a half ago that singled out Vera um, as being like ninety percent of what it had confirmed was bogus was I think a a, um, a sea change moment for the industry because people could see then mm-hmm. just how much money was buying offsets then that were totally bogus, you know, and in some cases, the opposite of what they were trying to accomplish, like the the showpiece asset that Vera had reviewed in Peru, specifically where people literally came through with chainsaws and cut people's houses down and kicked them out so they could then plant trees. It's just like, no, guys, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a better way to do this. Like, I, and I think that's when companies started realizing like, ooh, I can't just trust a pretty website and a really great mission statement in the hope that these credits that I've purchased are going to make the world better. Um, so I, I definitely think like what we're doing in that sense is the the big fix because most people I think ran into this space being like, Oh great, we can save the planet by buying carbon offsets, but there's a lot of dishonest people. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Vera is dishonest, but I think like in the end they're, their chain of I'll hire this person who'll hire this person who will hire that person to go and review what happened in Peru. In the end, it's like, okay, do I want this money or not? And having that arm's length that we do of saying we're only going to use scientific instruments to measure this in in some cases is limiting because then we can't get detail directly from inside the company. We have to look from outside, but I think it's required. The, The example that we throw out often is if a major bank just suddenly announced like, hey, we're not going to pay for an external audit anymore. We're just going to do it all inside and we'll tell you all the financial terms that way. Their stock would fall to nothing in seconds. Mm -hmm. And I think that moment with the Guardian article is is exactly what happened as people just realized like, oh, I shouldn't pay people five cents for something that's not verified, (laughs) let alone $500 billion over a decade. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, then it's also kind of the idea of cutting out all the middlemen, right? If I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> and especially with the chorus use case, that's been fun too. Like cutting out the middlemen allows you to actually bring in more people who can benefit. So chorus, the, some mm-hmm. of the first trees we monitored for them were fig trees. And that that and then allows more people to come for the harvest. They're more employed. That's more food that goes to the supply chain that's locally sourced and locally sold. So it solves a lot of those problems and really can lift people out of poverty, poverty especially in areas where Chorus is focusing on now, where it's uh, much less developed. And there's, people have been leery of investing money because the, there are loose laws. They don't know who the participants are. And it's mm-hmm. harder as an outsider to get in. When you have an MRV like us, it really does then allow that money that went to middlemen who weren't producing any value other than connections to now saying, cool, I would rather pay the farmer who owns the land and the people that he hires to harvest and sell instead of a person who knows a person who knows a person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now that makes complete sense. At this point in time, is there any way that the public can access and verify the climate data for themselves hmm. directly? Like if yeah. uh, like if somebody wanted to check their own house <laughs> to see emissions or for a company sure. or something? Not quite what I meant, but yeah, definitely. How about that? <laughs> yeah, um, I promise we didn't plan this for those of you listening, but we actually last week we just launched our dashboard where people can go in 
artwork pay it, it's it's not i mean it's fifteen hundred dollars so it's not nothing but by comparison to the thirty thousand that most consultants charge for what we do um it's much much less but you could go into our dashboard sign up for a free account and then request any address you want on the planet and we'll come back with scope one and two in a week so um, that's easy, easily done that way. If for the use case in terms of actually sequestering carbon, like Corus' website is up and beautiful, and really you can buy a tree or you can, sorry, an NF tree, but you can buy the actual representative of the tree. You can see floodlights data confirming mm -hmm. where it lives, how big it is, how old it is, how much carbon it's sequestering. It, it's a great way to do it, and you have the MRV of us. You know, it's either all the satellite data is faked. Or <laughs> what's actually happening is you actually mm -hmm. see the print on your certificate and you know that what you're actually building and dedicating your money to is working. Excellent. Um, so <laughs> beyond just kind of the carbon credits, and I want you to get into your imagination here a little bit. <laughs> um, do you see other opportunities for blockchain technology to be used to incentivize individuals and organizations to reduce their carbon footprint? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's a great question. I, I really do see in the next few years, um, and us being one of the one of the companies that's innovating around this, using blockchain to really be able to tie someone's entire financial footprint to the carbon it's generating. There's a lot of companies out there already trying to do this. But all the data they're using is those CSRs. They're going back to the company's mm -hmm. data itself saying, hey, trust me, my carbon is 10,000 tons. Done. Like we have yet as a company at Floodlight, we've been around for three years. We've yet to find a company that's anywhere close to their actual carbon footprint in their CSR versus what we actually find in our data. And again, that's not because they're being intentionally dishonest. I really think it's just because this mm -hmm. is a new field. A lot of the people that are in, in these roles of chief sustainability officer or ESG head, et cetera, they don't know how to do this. It's, it's four or five years old as a job itself. So familiarizing them with technology and then publishing it on blockchain so that companies, stakeholders, employees, investors all have the same data that's immutable and can't be doctored after the fact. That's, that's really where mm -hmm. I see this, so that anybody with a checking account all the way up to a sovereign wealth fund will be able to, to access same data that's verifiable, fair, and unbiased. That's, I think blockchain mm -hmm. is the whole foundation of that. Otherwise, it's just a whole bunch of new marketing. Mm -hmm. So if I'm correct, what you're saying there, the incentivization is um, in that everyone will have the data. You can't hide it. And so then people yeah. will kind of vote with their money, as you say. Yeah. And truly vote, you know, instead of actually just yeah. doing marketing around, you know, yeah. I'm going to show a picture of a windmill next to a green forest. So that means I'm an ESG focused company really saying like, no, here's the satellite data compiled by an independent third party company that verified all your carbon emitting assets as being in this percentile or around this benchmark. That's what's missing. Because the richer a company is, the more money it's going to throw at this to say, look at how great we look. They're not putting in as much info into like, here's the data that proves it. <laughs> that's when that's yeah. there. Then I think like everybody with, with money, with any kind of money can stand up and say, I see you. <laughs> you, you can't fake yeah. me. This is not that tricky. You know, it's simple math. So that's, that's where I'm excited that we're building that direction. And I think most most humans want that level of detail from corporates. Yeah. Is that mostly centric on um, carbon credits? So having that kind of 
that makeup <laughs> or is yeah, it is it the data in total or i so i think so two answers there and there's a great question also we could spend hours here <laughs> but i i think there's there's two opportunities the car the credits to mm-hmm. offset are one so having that mm-hmm. that knowledge that you've actually done is really offsetting carbon and essentially removing those um excuse me, removing those greenhouse gases from the atmosphere would create an effect of better climate for everybody. That's one. But two, just the idea of decarbonizing itself, regardless of the credits, like if you can actually make your, if, if like if me just as a standard consumer, if I can see a company that has looked at its own supply chain, so scope three, its own heating and cooling, which is scope one, and its own direct emissions from its product. And then over the course of years that I can see that they're reducing each one of those, like they're putting up solar panels or they're using geothermal energy mm-hmm. or they're buying from suppliers that are closer to them for a net savings, like that to me seems like prudent management. And that's really good signals for me that I want to buy stock in that company. It's not just a, oh, wow, mm-hmm. they're saving the world. It's also like, huh, you're looking at laws in Europe, which are mm-hmm. much stricter than the US. And that's going to be more and more fines for companies that are going off script there. America is probably going to follow them in our way. It's not going to be as strict as Europe because we're America, but it's definitely moving that direction. So if a company sees mm-hmm. all that and says, whatever, I'm not doing this, I'm, I'm independent, whatever, for me that says, ooh, you're going to get fines, you're going to lose customers, you're going mm-hmm. to lose public perception as somebody who cares about the people that live close to where they make, make their product. I don't want to invest in mm-hmm. you. And that's where yeah. that's where I feel like this really starts to shift quickly is when people can can put the public perception behind rock solid data. That's good. Okay. So uh, the hot topic right now <laughs> is AI. Um, do you see or how do you see using the integration of AI and machine learning along with blockchain tech uh, to improve that analysis and the data and uh, everything you're you're showing here? Yeah, so I I, um, I have to talk a little. It's like the um, the the show on Netflix, Black Mirror, um, totally like <laughs> terrifies me just as an entrepreneur, just because so many of the philosophical challenges that show presents, <laughs> you can see the use right? cases yeah. for what people are doing now. Um, to to answer your question specifically, um, there are risks I think in pushing too much to the machines. If we do too much to the robots. Mm-hmm and just go into cruise control, then I think like then you have the same problem of, you know, humans did actually create AI, it's not the other way around. So there are probably going to be some issues with it in terms of bias and in terms of looking for results that happen to support a portfolio you've invested in, blah, blah, blah. But the practical application mm-hmm. of AI, especially on blockchain, is beautiful. So as, as a case in point, um, with, with several of the properties we're working on with Chorus, they're literally talking about planting millions of trees in areas. If we have to have a human look at a picture of each hectare and individually count how many trees there are, that's ridiculous. That's no, there's no way we can do that. But having AI not just forecast it, but then be able to, to count much more quickly than we can and measure the width of the trunks, then do the calcs for how much carbon is sequestered, that's much faster mm-hmm. than it's ever been. You know, you're taking it from essentially street surface streets to freeway speeds. And I'm from LA, sorry, it's always the traffic metaphors. But the <laughs> uh, the idea being it can really speed up a lot more processes, especially when published on the blockchain, mm-hmm. because then you also have people that will say, oh, I see what you posted on this. Did you know there's actually a better system of doing this here? You know, like it's, 
there's a lot more collaboration on blockchain than mm-hmm. there would be otherwise behind walls of of PDFs and whatnot. So I, I really think as long as AI is always deployed as fairly as possible as a let's help the human instead of let's replace the human, mm-hmm. I think that, that makes it better. You can replace the human tasks that are boring or, or super arcane, but you can't replace the human entirely or there's too much risk on the table, in my view. There are others that disagree, but that's that's where I think we need to draw a line until we get more comfortable with what the tech can do. Sure. No, that's that's fair. Yeah, we don't want to go black mirror quite yet. But no, I, I see what you're saying. I think that's that's definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I kind of said before, use your imagination here, though, and and really go into it. What in your mind is kind of the ideal outcome or ideal situation for having climate data on the blockchain? So ideal situation for it for us, um, I see as. Um, anybody wanting to make their impact felt, wanting to confirm that what they are putting their money behind, either as a donation, as an investment, or as just interest, knowing that it actually is accomplishing what it's meant to do is the biggest opportunity. And that's people, businesses, nation states, et cetera. Like understanding that what I'm doing really has some value and really is is solving a problem that I care about, <clears throat> or at least pushing the science further in it, is what gets me so excited each day. Like um, our, our my co-founder, Dr. Suchi Gopal, her dissertation was on the use of AI, and she's published in this space for 30 years. So she kind of saw the vision for what AI could do, um, obviously before blockchain, but <laughs> blockchain allowed that perfect mm-hmm. memorialization of that data. She saw this, you know, 20 plus years ago and has been publishing on it. So being able to be here now at the acquisition of these two transformative technologies, I see that shaking governments up. I see that shaking up trade relations. I see that changing elections. I see that really um, opening opportunities for more people across boundaries to collaborate and work together towards common interests than has ever been available before. It's I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to be too cheesy about it, but it's like <clears throat> the first time I went overseas, like out of the U.S. and saw another governmental system that worked, that was beautiful, that was that people took pride in was a shocker for me. Like I, I, I was raised in very patriotic American and I love my country, but I hadn't studied much of other cultures. And as I as I went further outside of my comfort zone and actually outside of my <laughs> my country's borders, there are solid traits worldwide that people want to help each other and people want to collaborate mm-hmm. with each other. If you have verification, then that's not an academic exercise and that's not an altruistic enterprise either. There's hysterical amounts of money to be made when people can trust you. <laughs> um, they understand that they're paying you money for this service. You're not tricking them into giving you a piece, but people are willing to trade mm-hmm. money for security, for knowledge, and for a focus on building their own world the way they want it built. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. So how do people get involved? Yeah. The, um, right now. the thing that helps most, <laughs> thing that helps most right now is if you're, if you're building technology or if you're at a, at a company who's making its first steps in towards sustainability or more ESG or more um, transparency around resiliency, that's the new catchy word <laughs> is resiliency on that front. Take a look Mm -hmm. at what your company has done and published, whether you're public, private, it doesn't matter. You should be gathering data on 
What are your costs for heating and cooling? What are your costs for making your product? How are you, how are you accounting for carbon, for methane, for anything else? Like, as I mentioned before, I was raised a little bit. I'm, I, I lived from when I, until I was 15 in Idaho and it's a lot of agriculture. So there's potatoes and farming and dairy and whatnot. Just the, the amount of cow belching methane getting put into the air. People just don't know what they can do for it. <laughs> you know, so the understanding mm-hmm. first, your company, your farm, what you are doing yourself, and then what you can change mm-hmm. if you care enough about it to really make a difference. You can do that in your personal interests. But then on the money side, look for companies that are incorporating good data. You know, like if, if a company is only relying on CSRs, they're maybe getting 10% of the story and you're buying into that narrative because there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. You should be asking your retirement um, person, your bank, whoever you're chatting with on anything money-wise, ask them what kind of data they're getting. If it's not a verified MRV layer that's on par with us, why? <laughs> Can they not afford to buy better data? Do they still think that most people are operating on a trust-only basis? Like you should be mm-hmm. calling your natural footprint to account because it can get better, but we need people to actually advocate for it. And I think not to be too like biased, but like helping companies that are new like us by giving them like some Mm -hmm. push to say like, Hey, blank institution. I know floodlight has data on all these companies that you, you offer to me as part of my retirement vehicle. Do you have data that you're relying on that's on par with theirs? And if the answer is no, say why? Like, don't give these people your money if they're not earning it. Like, that's that's what I'd start with. And then second, I would definitely go um, go for companies that are publishing on the blockchain, so you know they're not going to just take info down and put up a doctored version later. And then look for um, companies that are really building in Web 3.0, but with a view towards keeping you know the <laughs> the first world. <laughs> the I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. the first world doesn't develop. But like the place we're all living in, the companies that are looking yeah, to real you know, world. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> keep the real world safe and then use Web 3.0 to make it reflective of that intention. Yeah, excellent. Excellent tips. Great. Um, is there anything specific you want to plug at this point? So I'd say yes. <laughs> You're asking an entrepreneur, of course. Um, the, the things we would definitely plug are keep, um, is, would be keep watching for what, what updates we do. We're going to be launching a, a lot of new products this year, um, mostly focused on business to business. But it only works if the consumers who support those businesses actually say, hey, I care about this. So voting your shares, if you have um, a retirement fund or whatever that allows you that functionality, understanding what frameworks are getting discussed. So the Securities and Exchange Commission in the U.S. is still considering adopting a rule that would force companies in the U.S. to disclose emissions in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Europe already does this. And the, the fun thing for us that Europe changed this year was Europe now said any business that's operating in Europe at all has to disclose their full global emissions footprint regardless. So if you want to sell anything in Brussels or Berlin or London and you have operations in Panama or Austin, Texas or Alaska, I need to know what those emissions are or you can't sell to a European Union citizen. Um, if the U.S. adopts similar legislation, which it should, otherwise American companies are going to get muscled out of the room, um, then that really opens the door. <laughs> so I'd say like watch yeah. for those frameworks and watch for um, which companies are adopting that proactively because they're the smart ones. They're the ones that say like, okay, I see the writing on the wall, regardless of my politics or my traditions before, this is coming and it's not going backwards. So I mm-hmm. might as well go for it. Awesome. Inspirational. <laughs> Perfect. 
um then yeah my very last question here and actually the reason that you have joined us today who would you have on the venley expert talks next Mm. so ooh, there's a couple (laughs) (laughs) i think um one of the one of the journalists i followed a lot is gerard baker from the wall street journal um, he, mm-hmm. he really looks at the human cost of everything in everything he publishes and he does economics, politics, technology. Um, he's a, a voice of reason and common sense that everything he's, he's written in the last like decade has meant a lot to me. Um, I think taking the, taking the, sometimes the intimidation of a very technical field like blockchain and then letting somebody who's, who for a living has been able to humanize, esoteric concepts would be something I would love to listen to. So getting more, more folks um, that can really say like, okay, here's the practical application of blockchain. Here's where it can go. This is the good that it can do. I would love that to be on. Awesome. Excellent. Then yes, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate the conversation and uh, we wish you all the luck. Awesome. Thank you so much. Same here. If you like today's episode, please rate, follow, or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you really like our content, join our Discord community, where there's always good conversation, exciting news, and live AMAs. Thanks for listening.